Okay, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you joined us, either in person or online. We're in a series called Known, about deepening and encouraging or improving our relationships. And we did something a little different last week. We did part one of two, building real community, and we did steps one through five. We'll review them real quickly, and then we'll go six through ten. These are things the Scripture says over and over again about qualities you and I need to work on or emphasize if we want to have good relationships. And we all want to have good relationships, right? Good relationships equal a good life. Bad relationships normally is a bad life. Now, we use a definition of fellowship, and I didn't get too much pushback in a small group about this. I was pretty surprised, actually. Being as committed to one another as you are to Jesus Christ. Now, we think about, obviously, I'm a Christian. If you're not, we're glad you're joining us. But if you're a Christian, you've got a commitment to Jesus Christ. But equally of value, Jesus said, was your commitment to one another because we are the family of God or the body of Christ. So it comes down to these two questions or two comments. Is it going to be my fellowship, my interaction with other believers going to be based on convenience or conviction? If I convicted this is important, this is critical, this is something God wants me to do, or is it just something that I do when it feels convenient? And I pray, especially since you're here, that you are part of the group that is committed. And we used a verse out of Romans. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, or we're all connected to one another. My fingers connected to my hand, etc. And the analogy is pretty powerful. If I were to remove this finger from my hand, it would die. So that's how important our relationships with one another is. So quickly going through the five uh, building blocks, you want to call them that, uh, real community or fellowship. Talked about frequency. Um, I got to thinking back when we were, those of you who are married, back when, think back when you were dating. When Deb and I were dating, I was uh, working, it was in August, we started, and I was working as a carpenter outside, so it was kind of hard, uh, sweaty work, so I was living in Middletown, and I would come home from work, get all cleaned up, and then she was living in Mapleville near Boonesboro, and I'd come visit her. And I'd stay there as long as I could, say, i got to get home to get some enough sleep to go back to work the next day. And then the next day, we would switch off and just talk to each other on the phone because we had spent too much time together the day before. Because we wanted to spend time with each other. We wanted to deepen that relationship, get to know each other. So logic says it's got to be frequent. Fellowship is also built on authenticity, not wearing a mask, letting people see who, who you really are. We talked about that. We talked about mutuality. I should pour into you and you should pour into me. I should support you. You should support me. It shouldn't be just one way. Then we talked about courtesy, just being kind and nice. Someone mentioned to me uh, between the services about, he thought about driving. Uh, sometimes people are very courteous when you're driving are they? But we're talking about in the group, in the fellowship of believers. And then we talk about compassion. Compassion's huge. Empathy and sympathy and empathy, if you can, with one another. All these things are building blocks, draw us closer together. So we got five more today. So number six, fellowship is built on, this is huge, humility. Humility. Most of us aren't 
as humble as we should be or think we are. Uh, reading from Peter. And all of you, all of us, word picture, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. So I've got this shirt on. When you look at me, you see this shirt. When you look at me, you should see humility. Do you see humility when you look at me? Do I see humility when I look at you? Clothe ourselves with humility. Why is it so important? Because God opposes the proud. Humility is on one side, pride is on the other side. If I'm not humble, I'm opposed or God's opposed to me. That's not a good place to be, is it? Humility brings what? It gives grace to the humble. God gives us grace. We're going to talk about mercy in a few minutes. God is gracious to us if we are humble. If we're not, yeah. So nothing destroys relationship maybe more than humility except for fear. You know, I feel like I'm right and you feel like you're right and uh, we get stuck. One translation says put on the servant apron. The servant's apron. Am I willing to humble myself to serve you? Uh, Paul in Romans says it this way, live in harmony. That's a good word, right? Music people, you want to have harmony in your music um, with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, self-important, exclusive. But positive side, associate with humble people. Those with realistic self-view, do not overestimate yourself. So since this is such a big issue, I thought I'd give you some how-tos, how to be humble. Because most of us aren't very good at it, to be honest, right? So step one, accept the weaknesses of others. If you are going to be humble, you need to accept the weaknesses of others. Uh, Paul put it this way. Always be humble. <laughs> Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Notice this. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Do you make allowances for each other's faults? Do you accept people's frailties and, and shortcomings? Um, we need to express, to be gentle and patient, we need to express uh, some self-control. You know, sometimes we expect people to be more perfect than we are. Do you make allowances for each other, not to excuse them or not to encourage them to be their shortcomings, but do you make allowances for them? No, I'm not perfect, they're not perfect. Don't expect people to be perfect. So accept the weaknesses of others. Secondly, give others credit. Another word we can use there is shine a spotlight on other people. We like to spotlight on us. One of the uh, struggles that when you're up here up front singing or talk, speaking is the spotlight is literally on us, isn't it? And so what do we need to do? We need to reflect that uh, to Jesus Christ. Because it's not about me, it's about Him. So giving others credit, putting the spotlight on other people, whoever it might be. Um, Paul wrote it. Put it, put it this way, excuse me, Philippians. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, kind of motivates most of us, you should be 
should in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. You consider other people more important than yourself? Most of us don't. I'm, my, I'm most important. You can come in a close second, but no, no, no. Scripture teaches us, God teaches us, Jesus did this, right? He came to earth and he suffered and died on a cross. Why? Because he made your and my salvation more important than his life. Can you imagine? So that's a challenge for you and I as, as believers. Thirdly, we're going to accept other people's weaknesses. We also have to admit our weaknesses. Uh, Jesus gives this uh, wonderful word picture. It's kind of hilarious, actually. It's on the Sermon on the Mount, and he began his ministry. He was teaching different things, and he said it this way. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You got this little speck. You got this little issue, a little problem. But fail to see the beam of wood in your own eye. Hilarious, right? I'm trying to see with this log in my own eye. If you read the next part of the text, it says, okay, first take care of this. Get it out so you can see. Then, sure, help, help the other person. Excuse me. <clears throat> Some difficult words to say because we're not as humble as we should be. Uh, I'll give you uh, four words and three words and two words. Firstly, difficult for us to say what? I need your help. I need your help. We all think that we can do it ourselves. No, no, I, you need help. I need people's help. We need each other's help. Humility is willing to be able to say, I, I, I need some help here. Uh, the other part of it is for me to ask, what can I do to help you? Secondly, uh, three words, I was wrong. Anybody find that easy to say? No, we don't like to admit where we're wrong. But this is one of the big keys in relationship. And when you've been married as long as my wife and I, we kind of do this easily. Oh, yep, I messed up again. Sorry. That leads to the third part, right? Forgive me. Forgive me. We're going to talk about forgiveness in a few minutes. Some more. So how to be humble? Accept the weakness of others. Give others credit. Admit weaknesses. And accept, accept correction. But this is hard for us, isn't it? Um, I believe it's in Proverbs. Whoever he, excuse me, bring that up and I can read it a little easier. Whoever, yeah, heeds life-giving correction, that's the term I couldn't get, will be at home among the wise. Now, what is our natural reaction when somebody corrects us, especially as adult to adult? How dare they? Who do they think they are? Tell me this is an issue or that's an issue, right? Isn't that our natural? He said, no, 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 no. When somebody lovingly, talk about that again in a minute, corrects you, accept it. So, grade yourself on humility. Now, this is a little tricky. If you give yourself a smiley face, can you be humble about your humility? How do you do that? <laughs> um, anyway, you, you, you figure that one out. Uh, we got a question or, or a next step on each of these. What weaknesses in myself do I find hard to admit? Another way to think about what, do, what shortcomings do I have that I make excuses for? 
right? I feel convicted already. I don't know about the rest of you, but anyway. As I said last week, don't try and do all these. Let the Spirit of God, through the verses, through, the, through whatever I might be saying, kind of put a burden about one of the, at least one of these issues. Somebody after last week said the first two. He was struggling with frequency, and a lot of people, frequency is today with time change, I guess. And then, uh, what's that word again, dear? See in here? Authenticity. Uh, he said, people ask him how he's doing. He said, I'm fine. He doesn't even share. People ask me today, I say, I'm under the weather, okay? Please pray for me. All right. Second uh, today, summer seven. Fellowship is built on honesty. That's kind of like authenticity, right? In fact, we use the same verse. We will, instead, we'll speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, but in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So, do you have somebody that loves you enough to speak the truth to you? To correct you? You may not. Because it takes a level of intimacy, a relationship that uh, you may not have. Even some married people. Because what do you need? You need trust. And trust has to be earned. You have to work at it, right? And often we use truth as a, a, a weapon to put you down and make myself feel better. No, 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 no. Speak the truth in love. And then we become more Christ-like. Should be our goal. Uh, Proverbs, a person who offers constructive criticism, that's the term we use, right? Constructive criticism, in the end, will be appreciated more than a person who engages in empty flattery. That's how you can tell if somebody's a true friend, if they'll tell you the truth, even if it hurts, as we say, even if we don't like it, and hopefully you love that person back enough to accept it. Uh, also in Proverbs, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So that's a good way to judge your words. Even if they're words of correction, are this the goal, the purpose is to bring healing to that person or to that relationship. In fact, who likes conflict? Nobody, right? Nobody likes conflict. All right. But in reality, conflict is the road to deeper relationships. If you never have a conflict with another person, your, your level of intimacy or, or deepness of your relationship is pretty surface. Because the deeper you get, the more chances there are of there being some kind of uh, conflict, right? And you've got to be able to express your feelings. And sometimes when you express your feelings, another it causes conflict. So what we need is conflict resolution. So as we go through conflict and we resolve that conflict, our bond, our, our relationship grows, it strengthens. And if you have a healthy marriage after a long time, it gets really strong because there's been a lot of conflict over the years, right? Uh, Paul writing to the Galatians, he said this, Dear brothers and sisters, 
if another believer is overcome by some sin, so they had a failure, you who are godly, not perfect, because none of us are, right? Should gently and humbly, that's that word we used at the beginning, help that person back on the right path. Uh, brother, sister, I, I, I see you're kind of gone astray here. You're off track. Uh, what can I do to help you? Now, why is it important to be humble? Because if not, onto the same temptation ourselves. Now, what is our temp- temptation in this area? It's just too, it's, ah, I'm not supposed to judge. Well, yes and no. And so we tend to ignore it. And we let that person go. And, the, and whatever that, Wherever they're drifting, they just can drift farther. Is that, is that what's loving? Is that what's, what's kind? Is that what's going to improve the relationship? No, of course not. So we have to have the courage to speak the truth in love. Give you some rules for correction, <laughs> whether it's parent, child, whatever it might be. Compliment in public, correct in private. We talked about how it takes, you know, 10 positive things to balance out one negative thing somebody says about us. So compliment in public, and then when you get a person uh, alone, you, you, you correct in private. Correct when the person is up, not when the person's down. So a person is struggling with something, and there's some other issue in their life, and, and you, you need to wait. You need to wait till maybe they got that issue resolved before you bring up this other issue. When they're up, when things are going well, it's a... Uh, otherwise you can almost destroy them. And then never correct unless you're open to receive correction yourself. Now sometimes I know in marriage, we, if somebody points out, my, my reaction is to point out something, issue in their life. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, defending ourselves or being self-defensive. Uh, if I'm going to bring some correction to you sometime later, not in reaction, but sometime down the lo- line or down the road, uh, there's an issue you need to point out to me. I need to be, oh, yeah, thank you for sharing that with me. See, humility is what leads to honesty. Uh, I like Timothy because it's this older pastor, Paul, writing to this younger pastor, Timothy. And so I, I, I love how Paul gives him some uh, words of advice and, and instruction. So here he says, talks about how we are to deal in interpersonal relationship with people, quote unquote, in the church. He says, never speak harshly to an older man. Appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Assume you have a good uh, father-child relationship. Talk to your younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. Again, a good uh, mother-child relationship, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. So, we can disagree, and we'll talk about unity in a couple of minutes. We can disagree in family, right? But we're still family, and the church is to be a family. So, disagreements are okay as long as we treat each other, I guess, respect, respectfully is the key. Judge yourself on honesty. Are you an honest person? Even if it may be difficult or it takes courage or it's hard. 
Here's some questions, follow-up questions. How have I benefited when someone spoke the truth to me? Probably the person who does it the most for me is my wife, and she'll point out something that I wasn't even aware of, and, I, and I, I'm appreciative, I'm thankful for that. And to whom do I need to speak the truth in love? That was something you need to really pray about, right? So, built on honesty. Uh, what else is fellowship built on? It's built on, and we're going to use the word mercy, or you could put it forgiveness in there. We're going to use those kind of together. Make allowances, this is Paul writing, make allowances for each other's faults. Do you make allowances for each other's faults? I think in marriage, most of us probably do that, right? Forgive one another, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So when someone has hurt you, what do you do? When someone has hurt you, been unkind to you. What do you do? Scripture, and we've talked about this before, Scripture says, instantly forgive them. Now, doesn't mean the hurt goes away necessarily. It takes time to heal. It doesn't mean you should trust that person again, maybe ever. If your spouse cheats on you, or you may never restore that relationship. Because trust has been destroyed, it has to take a long time. And sometimes uh, people can do that. Other times you can't. Basic question is, how much have you been forgiven? Not only by God, but if you're married, by your spouse, and if you're a kid, by your parents, etc., etc. And we can't even list it. We can't even think of all the ways we've been forgiven. And it doesn't mean they have to ask for it. Jesus on the cross, right? And they're treating him horribly. They've beaten him. They've insulted him. And he prays this prayer, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Did anybody ask to be forgiven? No. So, to even have a relationship, you've got to have forgiveness. Without forgiveness, relationship's over, right? So to deepen forgiveness has to be a priority. Paul writing in Corinthians. See, the Corinthian church had, early church, we talk about how great it was, but it had issues. And there it says, God, it was being a troublemaker, and so Paul's writing this about him. He says, in my view, the majority of you have punished him well enough. They've spoken the truth of love to this guy. So what do you do then? So instead of continuing to ostracize him, putting him down, whatever, I encourage you to offer him the grace of forgiveness. He doesn't deserve it necessarily. The grace of forgiveness, and uh, I love this next phrase, the comfort of your acceptance comfort of your acceptance. You're accepting them back into your family. Otherwise, what happens? If he finds no welcome back in the community, I'm afraid he'll be overwhelmed with extreme sorrow and lose all hope. We wouldn't want that. Then he goes on and says this, so I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Okay, we've had this issue, you've been a troublemaker, We've uh, disciplined you, we've corrected you, and now we're going to forgive you. We're going to welcome you back into the fellowship. We all have the decision to make between retaliation, getting even, or reconciliation, uh, 
retaining or even growing the relationship. So when these struggles come, we always have those choices. <laughs> uh, love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, makes this statement that's really a challenge, I think, for most of us. Love keeps no records of wrongs. No records of wrongs. My wife and I do pretty good at this now, but married couples often, you know, bring up stuff from the past. Parents maybe bring up stuff from the past for their children. Can't necessarily forget it, but if you've forgiven it, don't keep a record of it or don't keep bringing it up. Because we all need massive doses of forgiveness, don't we? And without forgiveness, there is no relationship. It really isn't. Eventually, you know, we've got a couple families in our church that have been here longer than I have, and I've been here over 30 years. I can guarantee you I've some, some done things or said things that offend them and vice versa. But they're, I'm a rec I can't even think of them. I don't have a record of them. Hopefully they don't either. So judge yourself on mercy or forgiveness. Are you, do you easily forgive? Again, it takes time to heal, but do you easily forgive? Get our smiley face, or not all of them smiley faces, emojis up. <clears throat> Hopefully we all can mark, yes, God's forgiven me so I'll forgive anybody anything. Next step, who do I need to forgive? Is there somebody you haven't forgiven? Someone that the relationship is, is strained? because you haven't forgiven them. Uh, number nine, last two we'll do a little more quickly. Fellowship is built on confidentiality. Confidentiality. Uh, the opposite of this is a word the Scripture uses a whole lot. I call it one of those acceptable sins in the church. It shouldn't be, but we kind of treat it that way. But God hates it, and it's called gossip. Gossip. I could put a dozen verses on here, but just put three, I think. A gossip goes around telling secrets. doesn't keep confidentiality. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. So, is that relationship safe? If you're in a small group, is that a safe place? What's said in the group stays in the group. Oh, how we like to sometimes get the gory details. What is that about us? doesn't say much about us, does it? Uh, couple others. A gossip will reveal your secrets again. So avoid the company of people who talk openly and foolishly. We should avoid gossips. We should, well, read the next verse. We'll talk about stamping it out. Uh, are we part of the problem or part of the solution? Because we all hear gossip at times. Here's a, here's a word picture for you. Fire goes out without wood, right? Eventually the wood burns down, the fire goes out. Same thing with gossip. Quarrels disappear when the gossip stops. So are you going to keep it going? Or are you going to want to say, oh, we, we, I don't want to hear that, or I'm not going to tell anybody else about that. I need my relationships to be safe, which means I'm going to keep people's secrets. Confidentiality. So grade yourself on that one. This last one's huge, but we're not going to have... Well, next step. How, can, how have I been hurt when someone didn't keep a confidence? Ooh, that one does, brings up old hurts, doesn't it? Now, this last one's huge uh, according to God. Sometimes we don't think it's that important, unfortunately. 
Fellowship is built on unity. Not uniformity. We're not all supposed to be alike. In fact, we're all unique, right? But in our uniqueness, we are one body. Uh, Paul's writing, make every effort, use all your energy to preserve the unity the Spirit has already created. See, here's how the logic of it. Holy Spirit comes in me as a believer. Holy Spirit comes in you as a believer. Why would the Holy Spirit in me fight with the Holy Spirit in you? It doesn't even make any sense, does it? So with peace binding you together. So the whole of us is greater than the individual parts if we are in unity. A couple other verses and then we'll be finished. Uh, Paul's writing, I says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in, there's that word again, harmony with each other. Unity. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in, here, here is a good way to think about it, in thought and purpose. We're not going to be the same. We shouldn't be. But we should be unified in thought and purpose. Uh, Unity is mentioned about ten times in the first five uh, chapters of the book of Acts. That's a a book that talks about uh, the early church once it got started. And it was so critical, especially in the early church. And they had issues, they had problems, they had troublemakers. But they focused on unity. As a result, they had tremendous power. The same book describes the church as turning the world upside down. You cannot do that without unity. God will look, overlook some things, but God does not overlook disunity. I think this is the last verse. So then, let us pursue with enthusiasm. This is going to be something we're enthusiastic about. We're going to put energy into. The things that make for peace and the building up of one another. All these one another's, right? Building up one another. Things which lead to spiritual growth. I say this often. You become what you're committed to. So what are you committed to as far as your relationship? Are you committed to confidentiality? Are you committed to humility? Are you committed to honesty? And all the others that we listed. Then you can deepen your relationship. So how do you, how do you judge yourself on unity? And what am I going, let's see, what am I doing to cause disunity? It needs a change in my relationship. You want to have deeper relationships? Everybody's going to say yes. You want to have better relationships? Yes. Want to be better connected? Yes. Well, these are the things you need to be committed to. And I pray that you are. Like I said, let God lay a specific one on your heart that you need to work on. Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for your word. That's so much to say about all these topics. They're all important. And God, we, I, I would just pray you would lay on, on each of our hearts that, that area that, that uh, we really need to work on, that we're struggling in or we're, we're not doing as well as we should. In our humility, God, I pray that we can help each other to grow, to be, to be more mature, be more. Be more like Jesus. 
uh, that would be my prayer for each of us that are Jesus followers. And if you're not, we would pray the day would be the day that you would want to have a deepening relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Confess your sins, ask for His forgiveness. Uh, enter into the family of God. It's a simple, well, simple not, but not easy decision. That's all you need to do. It's a, it's, it's a grace gift. It's a gift that God gives to us all. We just say, yes, God, I receive your gift of eternal life and forgiveness. Uh, God, we pray for each of these decisions that we're making, whether believers or not. We ask your Holy Spirit to continue to work in our lives. We thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.